Hello, my name is Mike Diedrich, and this is the Veterans for Peace radio show. Uh, this week, we're going to do some after-action reports on Hiroshima and Hope at Green Lake, and also uh, the August 8th uh, action at Bangor, uh, protesting a nuclear uh, presence there of the nuclear subs. With me today is uh, Stephanie Atkinson, who is the, currently the VFP-92 uh, secretary, and Tom Rogers, who is a former submariner. And... Uh, We'll start with start with Tom. Talk about that uh, uh, banger, Lollapalooza, and uh, <laughs> and the the dance contest. Thanks, Tom. Hi, Mike. Uh, yeah, really, really happy to be here. Um, we uh, had a uh, a terrific uh, get together uh, all day uh, for about twelve hours plus. Uh, on uh, August 7th, and then uh, did an early action uh, at the base uh, on the morning, uh, Monday morning, uh, August 8th, uh, to commemorate uh, both uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Um, we had about uh, 50 people uh, come to the uh, activities uh, on Sunday. Um, you know, as I said, we went all day and finished up with uh, Tom Ross and uh, singing folk songs till about 10 o'clock at night, which is uh, pretty good with uh, all us old people. Um, so uh, our friend uh, Susan Delaney, who is a Ground Zero member, put together a flash mob uh, routine, uh, which involved 40 people. Um of which uh, she was related to uh, half of them, I think. Uh, not really, but uh, the uh, the lead dancers were um, Susan's uh, grandchildren, uh, granddaughters, and uh, another featured dancer was uh, her son. So, so it was the uh, the Delaney uh, family dancers, um, and uh, first of all, I I want to at least recognize the cooperation we got from uh, base security and the Washington State Patrol. Um, we met with the uh, base security uh, director and uh, uh, one member of his staff uh, the previous week uh, and went uh, through uh, what we plan to do, uh, which involves shutting down the base for a significant period of time during the morning rush hour and uh they were cool with that um and did not interfere with us in in any way um and then uh, the morning of the action at, uh, which started at 6 45 in the morning i think um we met with the uh two uh, washington state patrol uh trooper supervisors uh at the site uh, they had 12 uh, SWAT team with them, and uh, they were very courteous, uh, respectful. Uh, they had a plan for uh, rerouting traffic when we shut down the base uh, during the rush hour, because uh, their big concern was that by shutting down the base at rush hour, traffic would back up onto Highway 3, which is a 70-mile-an-hour highway, and and would be unsafe uh so they had a good plan and they redirected traffic and uh we were able to go through our our whole routine um there is a, a six minute video on uh youtube um that uh has got the whole routine and it's really great it is really great uh what's, what's the title of the video tom i you would ask me that wouldn't you <laughs> um yeah, yeah, uh, Banger Flash Mob 2022. Okay, well, that well, should well, get you there. <laughs> all right, it, it will we'll also post the uh, link to, on the vfp92.org, uh, our chapter website, too. That's, okay, excellent. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, once the dancers got done, it was a three minute uh dance routine, which included uh, uh, Susan and and uh. Her, uh, relatives and uh, the gray dancers, which was uh, about 20 or so uh, Ground Zero members who uh, danced around and uh, made themselves into a peace sign. And uh, it was it was pretty cool. 
it was all uh the we had a uh portable speaker uh playing uh war what is it good for and uh uh, that was pretty cool uh then uh when the dancers cleared the road uh there were 11 no 13 people who uh, stayed in the road uh with their banners um on the um state jurisdiction side of the uh the uh, line that denotes uh federal property and uh they kept the base closed for another 10 minutes or so before uh the state patrol came in and uh removed them from the road and and that was done very courteously very respectfully um and uh that was uh, uh, each each person who was cited had thought about this is something we did the day before thought about how would you engage a state patrol officer for that period of time that that he or she is 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 walking you up to the car and standing next to you waiting in line for uh, them to to actually do the citation they do it all right there and uh it was things like you know I, i'm really i'm glad to be here because i really want my grandchildren to grow up in a world without nuclear weapons and you know, tell me about your kids. Do your kids, you know, do they know about nuclear weapons? Are they learning about it in school? And 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 it it you engage a law enforcement officer on on an even keel at that point. And and it's amazing what they come out with. Um, you know, one of the guys, uh his name was uh, Officer Dimitri. Uh, I think that was his first name, and he was actually from uh uh, the Ukraine <laughs> and uh, was, uh, you know, transplanted, but he was a Washington State Patrol officer and, and, and uh, you know, just was really afraid of nuclear weapons. And, and you know, that was a real issue for him. And uh, they're, they're uh, each of the, I, I don't know that every State Patrol officer opened up, but my experience is they do. Because you've got this this uh, respectful trust that's going on because we've been doing it for so long. Uh, anyway, so that that's part of it. And then uh, once uh, those guys got cleared off, uh, two uh, of our Ground Zero members uh, had uh, decided uh, that they would trespass uh, on federal property. They each had a letter for the uh, commanding officer of the base. Um, and they uh, walked across uh, the blue line onto federal property and were uh, um, apprehended uh, by uh, the base security who took their letters and uh, took their information and then released them. And more than likely, they'll get a uh, uh, summons for um, federal court uh, to uh, face uh trespassing charges and uh, we'll see how that goes but uh a good time was had by all um and uh we're trying to get some mileage uh out of now the next thing is uh all the folks that are going to court and will make statements uh in in the courtroom a, a public forum and uh we'll do another press release for that uh after uh the court hearings and uh, are you, have you guys had discussions about there was the uh, September 24th march on uh, nuclear? I, uh, well, uh, many of Ground Zero is a supporting organization yeah. uh, uh, on that march. Um, I am one of the speakers i'll be kind of doing a warm-up act before david swanson okay um and i think uh another guy uh um mac johnson is going to be like the mc and he's a ground zero guy um and then we're also doing uh some peacekeeping and peacekeeping training uh and this is to uh have folks that are trained in uh, deconfliction uh, during the march and stuff like that, kind of kind of wearing uh, orange vests and being the the safety buffers uh, for uh, the folks that are engaged in the march. Well, great. 
Uh, all right. Well, we're going to look, we may do a show actually on that. Uh, it's the 24th. I don't know if the, the timeline would work good for before or after for this show, because it's got to be the last, last Wednesday or something last Friday of the, of the month for mm -hmm. headline, but we'll definitely do a program on it in September for September. So uh, great. Thanks, Tom. Uh, sort of parallel with this is uh, the Hiroshima to Hope uh, 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 annual uh, presentation at the Green Lake, uh, Seattle, Washington. And one of the Veterans for Peace members was there and tabling and uh, Stephanie Atkinson. Can you give us uh, sort of a, uh, some commentary and background to uh, what you saw and did? Uh, yeah, so this is my first year uh, tabling at the Hiroshima to Hope event um, as a new member of the chapter. Um, I, I was well attended. It's a very sobering uh, event. It's also um, a reflective uh, situation. Um, there are people who come to an area that's uh, there's exhibit of um, what the bomb did uh, on the 77th anniversary of uh, the bombing of Hiroshima. Uh, there's an exhibit of photographs. Um, there's uh, monks who have walked there and some other veterans for peace were with that doing the, the march and arriving at Greenland uh, where they have lanterns, a prayer lantern that they uh, write their, their, uh, their wishes and their prayers essentially uh, in recognition of what happened and uh, set those afloat on Green Lake at sunset. Um, prior to that, the um, the event was well attended. And of course, it's because it's in Green Lake Park on a Saturday evening, there's just a lot of people coming through. And what was really profound was watching people interact with the who were just there as, you know, visiting the park uh, and had a lot of questions and came to participate in this event. Um, one of the biggest things was acknowledging the amount of people who've been affected um, by not just um, the immediate impact, uh, but subsequent generations of people who uh, have been injured because of the bombing, uh, descendants and, and um, other people who worked on the atomic project. Um, the fallout that happened and um, also our acknowledging um, our part in this uh, setting up the camps uh, that we interned our own citizens um, of Japanese ancestry um, it was just a, a lot to think about the really profound event um, humbling yeah. uh great uh you know glenn which was not able to which unfortunately was he had some technical difficulties so glenn and, and mary hansen who can't join this portion i'll try and make another recording and make that happen but glenn suggested i think it was a good suggestion of say why do you do uh uh why would you do something like here the whole why do you belong to veterans for peace and the same question is directed to you tom uh since i got you on the screen why don't you talk of uh, you know what's your motivation for doing this stephanie um my motivation sure what uh absolutely it's i mean it's it's a recognition of um the damage that we did to uh, citizens of another country hopefully uh you know it's a it represents moral injury a burden um not only did we kill all these people there's been profound effects on what happened afterwards the environmental damage um there's just so many so many aspects to it for me as a veteran it's um uh, it's like this work to me is something i have a moral obligation to do um uh, if you want to consider it uh, penance or uh, reparations it's just uh if i really want to undo the damage i did as a veteran um I feel like this is part of that work is, is moving toward peace and acknowledging uh, something so violent um, 
and and being and being sober about it and um trying to tell other people about why this event is so important because we never ever 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 want to experience this again um because if it started there would just be no end right it would be nuclear annihilation so really trying to honor the victims um and also try to prevent more tragedy more environmental damage more war okay thanks thank you steph uh stephanie um tom you've talked about this before but uh go ahead on on the record again <laughs> thank you i spent uh 32 years of my life uh in uh, the U.S. Navy, uh, I was a submarine officer. I was responsible for nuclear weapons at, at every stage of my career um, until uh, I was in command. Um, in fact, uh, while I was in command uh, in uh, 1989 uh, is when uh, the Bush uh 41 administration removed uh all the tactical nuclear weapons from ships and submarines and that was a that was a good day um after i retired from the navy um actually uh, uh back up a little bit more uh the cold war ended in 1991 uh that's that's 31 years ago i think i got the math right um and um the reliance our countries us's reliance on nuclear weapons uh, as a national security strategy has not changed one bit in those 31 years since the end of the cold war and um i feel like because of the knowledge i have and the understanding of, of the um, devastation that would result from nuclear war, that if I don't do anything, then I'm complicit in this problem. Um, it, it's a responsibility of knowledge, and, and I, I understand it. And so that's why I do what I do. And, and what I do is try to raise the... Uh, a level of awareness in in uh, the local citizenry uh, about uh, nuclear weapons. Um, I'm going to be uh, speaking uh, at the um, September 24th rally uh, at uh, the Federal Building in Seattle um, about, in my mind, how. You know, we can say, oh, I want to abolish nuclear weapons, but, and we can, and, you know, it's a good sign abolish nuclear weapons. Well, how do we do that? And I started thinking about this a few months ago is how to get eat an elephant. Um, and it's, it's white one bite at a time. And with nuclear warheads, it's, it's one warhead at a time. And there are over 12,000, 13,000 warheads in existence today in the world. And, and we need to get rid of those one warhead at a time um and, and uh, uh, the way to make that happen is a a groundswell of of public opinion uh and making it an issue in congress to fulfill uh, the responsibilities in the current uh, administration's uh, nuclear weapons policy posture sorry sorry nuclear we weapons posture document to reduce our reliance on nuclear weapons and uh, then to continue negotiations uh, with Russia and with the rest of the nuclear armed states to finally uh, abolish the weapons. Great. Well, thank you, Tom. And uh, thank you, Stephanie. And thank you both for your uh, commitment to peace and justice, really. Uh, this program will be aired on KODX 96.9. And it'll also be archived on vfb92.org uh, website. So I uh, see this will be the first half of a idea, uh, ideally a program, and we'll catch up with Mary Hansen and, and Glenn Milner, tag it on to the second half. So thanks a lot, you guys, and uh, we'll uh, 
we'll uh, we'll see you in the see you on the twenty fourth. For sure. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, hello, this is a continuation of the first half of this uh, radio show, VFP ninety two, and uh, which we talked to Tom Rogers and uh, Stephanie Atkinson, and this time we're talking to Glenn ha uh, Glenn Miller and Mary Hansen, and Mary's going to talk about uh, Banger and the events. Uh, it happened there, and uh, after that, Glenn will give us an update on the um, bee sleep and seafair. So go ahead, Mary. Yeah, well, actually, I'm more here to talk about from Hiroshima to Hope, if that's okay with you. You can do that, actually, because uh, uh, Glenn actually did talk about Banger, but you, yeah, absolutely. Go talk. Okay. Talk yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, from Hiroshima to Hope took place on August 6th, and uh, it takes place on August 6th every year. And we've been doing it um, since the mid 80s. And when we started in the mid 80s, we didn't know that it was gonna go for decades. In the mid 80s, there were lots of peace groups, literally dozens of peace groups. And uh, so we formed a committee and we decided that it was a good idea to float lanterns on Green Lake to commemorate the victims of the first and only bombing of, um, of nuclear, using a nuclear weapon, um, which was soon followed by Nagasaki bombing on August 9th. So um, Ground Zero has kindly um, let From Hiroshima to Hope be the only activity that's on August 6th, um, but the same people are actually involved from Peace Fleet on in many years, August 1st, through um, Ground Zero activities that are on August 8th or 9th. Uh, that whole week is devoted to taking that time. But way back, we yeah, we we didn't know it, we didn't know how popular it would get. We started with maybe 200 lanterns and we floated them on Green Lake, and people liked it. And so this year we floated about 850 lanterns and the um, event was extremely successful. It's unusual in that you have mainly people from the Asian American uh, and bicultural and biracial community who I think feel that this is their event in a way that nothing else is in Seattle, but it's broader than that. Uh, everybody is involved, but I think that the overall cultural feel of it um, is definitely um, taking from Japan where they do the same thing. On every August 6th, they make these lanterns and float them on the water. But we're unique in Seattle for having such a, a large celebration, for having it go for decades like this. But it has been picked up around the country. You see now other, other uh, places that have them. Many places now do this. So that's been great for us to, to see the idea of doing this in the name of the victims of Hiroshima and Nagasaki and all victims of war, violence, and hatred. And that really covers the waterfront because as was pointed out in our, in our advertising, um, this is a time of peril. And it has been a time of peril ever since we started. There was never a time when we could say as a community, as a committee, well, let's not have it this year. Never, never once. So we feel that the program, which lasts about an hour, and the time prior to the program, which is a social time of about an hour, gives our community a chance to um, check in with each other. It's great that Veterans for Peace have a table there. Ground Zero has a table. Um, any peace group that is a sponsor um, has a table and people can meet in real real time with other people and, and see what their group is doing and sign up with them to 
join whatever they're doing. Um, but then the formal program starts at seven. The informal time is from six to seven. The formal program starts at seven and it goes till eight. Um, and during the program, there's poetry and drumming. And it, this year, the uh, most important, uh, well, everything was important. I can't say anything was more important than anything else, but it was great that we had a singer who happened to be from the Ukraine and who was trapped here because he had COVID uh, during the time right before the invasion. So he, he can't go back uh, to, to Ukraine. So he was generous enough. He, he is a singer. He was generous enough to, to sing. And then uh, Lori Matsukawa, who was a uh, anchor at King Five for decades, was our keynoter. And uh, I'm sorry that the only regret I have about Hiroshima to Hope this year is the fact that King Five didn't cover it. But she gave an eloquent keynote, uh, speaking to the fact that this world is not a normal place and how you can't raise a family. You, you can't, as a, a parent or grandparent, ensure the safety and future of your kids and your grandkids. And she really went into that quite deeply. Uh, the, the price we're paying for being in a warlike situation all the time. Uh, then we had poetry and um, then toward the lantern floating an explanation of the lantern floating, which is that the uh, each lantern represents the soul of someone who died at Hiroshima and Nagasaki, but it also represents the wishes for peace of the person who created the lantern. And that's, I think, the wonder of Hiroshima to Hope is it's both individual and group. It's a group of lanterns together, but it's also the deeply felt wishes of people who create the lanterns and who inscribe on the other sides of the lanterns um, names of people who have recently passed or um, friends of theirs who have been victims of war violence or hatred or their wishes for peace. So that's, in a nutshell, that, that's why it's important to us uh, to have it every year. And um, that's the reason that you're involved? Well, the reason I'm involved is I started, when I, when I was a kid, I used to sail small boats. I can't sail big boats at all, but I used to sail these little small boats. So when there was a committee saying we want to sail um, lanterns on the water, I went with Martha Bryce and we thought about Seattle and where would there be a place that you could float lanterns? So we decided to walk around Green Lake and we found this spot that was really unique and that wind coming from any direction would, would float a lantern from there. So that was the first year back in 1985 that we did that. And... Uh, so my reason for doing it is, as I said, uh, war has continued, the threat of nuclear weapons has continued and gotten worse. There's never, I could never justify backing out of it. Uh, my role in it is basically a, a logistical one because getting 850 lanterns safely out onto the water and then getting boats to go out later pick them up, bring them back to shore, um, do the cleanup. I, I feel it's important to have some seniors who've been doing it a long time to make sure that everybody knows how to do what they're doing um, to help some of the newer volunteers. And you get the younger volunteers to go out there and pick up those lanterns. My Dan Gilman did it one year and he says, boy, I didn't get out of there till one o'clock in the morning. We changed it. We learned from that. We at that time, we were, yeah, we learn every year what works and what doesn't. Yeah. And we were putting the lanterns from down in the boats about three feet up onto the dock for cleanup. We said, hey, there's a small beach not very far from here. And we can just go up onto the beach and we won't have to do that at all. And we have containers. I mean, we, we have really improved 
the experience of people who are retrieving the lanterns so that we're out of there by midnight now. And uh, the mood of the people on the cleanup committee is very positive. <laughs> They're great. And uh, it's not, there's not any one age of people. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a long time to be involved in it. You've been involved since, since, since as they say, since the creation, uh, uh, about 15, uh, 36 years. That's a long time. Well, since 19, figured out 1985. I mean, it's decades. Years. It's, it's decades, yeah. Well, I will, <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, I, I learned something. Do you, do you get uh, many uh, Japanese, say, officials or politicians, uh, say, locally or, or internationally involved, uh, come by and say hello? Yeah, what, what happens is that many years uh, we would um, actually get the city to declare August 6th Hiroshima Day. And uh, so the mayor of Hiroshima invited uh, one of our musicians named Mike Stern to um, perform at the Hiroshima Day celebration in, uh, in Hiroshima itself. Mike has been there quite a few times and has written songs about that. Uh, so the ties are very close and, and the appreciation that they have for us um, is very deep, very heartfelt. Half the uh, planning committee of Hiroshima to Hope is uh, Japanese or Japanese American. Um, and uh, we're of all different ages and all different skill sets, which is wonderful. Um, so we all work on all of it, but each of us takes a, a focus. And uh, I would say the program especially is planned uh, more by the Japanese and Japanese American members of our of, of our committee. Well, we I had an interesting uh, uh, occurrence when I went there. This is about five or six years ago. We came. No, it was maybe fifteen years ago because we at that at that time we had an Akita, which is a Japanese dog, big, huge animal, very <laughs> speed animal, and we we were having we were walking around and and this couple, an older Japanese couple, as it turned out. And I said, oh, yeah, Akita. And I said, yeah, yeah. And, says, and they started speaking to it. Pecos, Pecos Bill started speaking to it in Japanese. And they got it to sit. They said, sit in Japanese. And he sat. <laughs> <laughs> Some ancestral memory there. I don't know. But <laughs> they were just tickled to see him. And they, they were uh, impressed with the, uh, the, the lanterns and everything else. So, Yeah. Well, the, the other... Uh, part of it and then I'll yield to, to Glenn, but it creates a zone of peace at the lake that is remarkable. As we're doing cleanup, we're watching the people walking around the lake. There's all kinds of people two by two walking around the lake with a flashlight. I mean, the peaceful nature of the uh, feel of, the, of that lake is, is just remarkable. Uh, all the way up to uh, when we when we leave at midnight. Well, I'm looking forward to next year, and uh, I'll have a leg that works by that time. So uh, I just had knee surgery, so okay. I'll, see, I'll see you there, if not before. Thanks, Mary. Great. Thank you. You bet. Uh, so, another longtime activist. I've known Glenn for thirty years, something like that. Uh, <laughs> We used to be involved in the old Seattle Drift Draft Military Counseling Center. So, uh, but Glenn's going to talk about the Peace Fleet and the Seafair events um, and give sort of a report um, so that our listeners can tell know what's happening or what happened. Thanks, Glenn. Yeah. Yeah. Mary and I are both uh, members of Ground Zero Center for Nonviolent Action. A lot of uh, Ground Zero people are involved in Hiroshima and Hope. So the, a lot of these, uh, a lot of the groups are, you know, we may be a little bit smaller than we were in the past, but we work together. Um, Ground Zero's activities for this year started in July. We started, uh, we had, in July and August, we had uh, five full page newspaper ads. We had one, one of them was in a Bellingham paper, Cascadia Daily News. 
Um, um, Peacefully this year was on August 1st and we, you know, the, the Navy hadn't come in. This is when the Navy comes in to Elliott Bay and displays its warships and they have pass and review. Um, also, you know, it, had, it hasn't come, we haven't had that in two years. The Navy hasn't been here for two years. Uh, likewise, the Blue Angels have been away for a couple of years with uh, COVID, uh, with the COVID issues. Um, I guess, you know, one thing I've always learned as an activist is whenever you put up a sign for peace, there's always like very quickly or peace and justice very quickly. There's someone that comes along and tells you to take the sign down. And I guess in the case of the Peace Fleet, I I have never really in, encountered uh, people who so much would like to see us leave. The Navy would really prefer us not out on the water. And they've displayed this and the Port of Seattle has displayed this in many ways. We've had the FBI watch us launch boats in 2003 and 2000, uh, Port of Seattle, uh, Head of the, of the Port of Seattle Police in charge, or the in charge of the uh, fleet arrival, actually came to one of our meetings and, and you know, spying on us. Um, Coast Guard has been brutal at times, and we keep doing it. We've been doing it for twenty one years. This is the twenty first year. Um, this year, uh, I had intended to use Pier 62. We were really excited about this pier being rebuilt finally and not using the rooftop of Pier 66. And so I normally, I'll, there's one person at the Port of Seattle who is actually pretty helpful to talk to. Um, and she told us that, well, this year, uh, normally, even though normally they use the rooftop of Pier 66, um, they're they're uh, reworking it. There's construction there, and all of the activities moving to the pier that we wanted to be on Pier 62. So, and then I was starting to had heard that the Coast Guard had a no protest zone that they were expanding to the front of in the water in front of Pier 62. So, um, in in communication, I was basically trying to flush out what was happening. And I learned from the Seattle Parks Department that uh, Friends of Waterfront Seattle are in charge of Pier 62. And they contacted me and said that you're certainly welcome to come down. We have the pier leased to someone. They never did tell me who, but it was you know full of military recruitment. Um, and then the rear admiral was there. And they said, you, you are welcome to come down you know, uh, Peace Fleet people, but we have a spot for you on the sidewalk where you can stand. So I contacted the ACLU and they were helpful um, to, you know, they were helpful as much as they can. They referred me to an attorney and um, that attorney is Joe Schaefer. Is he the disabled ACLU attorney? Uh, he is not. No, he's not. He's not. He's not. Um, no, he's an active attorney in Seattle. No, I mean, there, there, there was a disabled guy who is physically disabled, but is, is still an attorney. Yeah, uh, not, okay. not him. Not him. Um, so anyway, he contacted Friends of uh, Water from Seattle, and we, we got that cleared up. So we were allowed to go out on the pier um, as normal. There were about 25 people on the pier, which is really important to us. And there were five boats in the water. Um, 11 people on those boats and it was it's it's you know it's weird because it's actually it's almost as as serene as uh, Hiroshima to hope I mean it was like you know the you know you see the peace people on the dock and they're they're friendly outgoing they're talking to all the navy guys and everything and um, you know the, but then, you know, obviously, the, it's mostly Navy League Seattle, I think, and Seafair. They they do not want us there this year, which is is pretty alarming. Is they had a, I believe he was a rear admiral, and so that's it becomes a Navy asset for them. So they have armed um, Navy uh, port officers on the dock, 
um, with this rear admiral to protect him. And, um, you know, this is a shell park. And and then there's this this layer of Friends of of Waterfront Seattle, which is a nonprofit. Um, So anyway, every year after Seafair, I usually try and after peacefully, I try and figure out what happened. (laughs) So I do a a series of public records requests and 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 to find out who made these agreements, who who was actually the the peer was leased to um, that that type of thing. But it it was it would turn out very good and and next year will be good too and so uh, next year will be the 20, 22nd year. I don't know what Tom Rogers said, but I just want to make sure you know on August eighth we had the demonstration of course and there were I believe thirteen people cited. Two were cited by uh, federal officers at that banger. Yeah, at yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah. Um, So uh, VMP has a, a small but you know continuing presence and on our dock, and I'd like to get a VFP boat to bring up uh, the uh, um, our our uh, our nuke boat. That oh yeah, well, that was the, the golden rule was here one year. Yeah, it, yeah, I think it was on sixteen. Yeah, one thing I'd like to mention um, before we run out of time is on September twenty fourth. Right. There is uh, a march in Seattle for nuclear abolition, and it starts Cal Anderson Park at noon. And this is the uh, it's called the Seattle Rally for Nuclear Abolition. And I wish I had the name of the group and the and the website, but um, they'll you know there'll be more information out on that. And Ground Zero people and will be helping with that. Vesper uh, Peace people, yeah. Uh, PSR people will be on that. I'm going to see if we can just squeeze in a radio show right immediately after that because I'd rather do it, do the show after that if we if if the timing works. Uh, uh, Mike McCormick's uh, radio show requires us to have a piece of video in by some. I think it's the last Thursday or something like that. I'm never quite sure. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know. That's great. We'll we'll do a show on that uh, before or after or one way or the other because it's important to cover that. I think that this is the first time we've had actually had a specific march uh, with multi uh, peace and justice groups participating about nuclear um, nuclear nuclear uh, weapons. I assume that I mean. I don't think we've had one. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Well, speaking, well, I wanted to say, actually, I have my list here. I'm looking at it. I wanted to mention the Peace Walk that began in, in Portland on July 30th. And that's uh, Reverend Sanji Kanata and uh, Reverend Hilbert uh, Perez. And they, that's what I was doing on August 6th. Uh, they began their Peace Walk in Lake Forest Park. There's a, yeah. Lake Forest Parker Police has a peace pole there. And and that we installed and we'd been vigilant for peace since December 2002. And they began their walk there on August 6th to Hiroshima to Hope, from Hiroshima to Hope. Um, and that was that was where I was on August 6th, getting them off. Great. It's, it's great because they actually lead the procession. Senji, um, uh, Kaneda, Brother Senji, um, does the um, explanation of what the lanterns mean and what floating lanterns mean in Japan. And then he and, and Gilberto and the Peace Walkers are the first ones to launch their lanterns. They, they go out on the dock and they drum and they consecrate the lake uh, spiritually. And then they're followed by uh, the rest of the people who who launch lanterns. So their role in everything is quite major. Uh, and we really appreciate the way that all flows for the whole week uh, from the first through the ninth. It's a, in some ways one one thing. And uh, Glenn, I forgot to ask you, I sort of know, but I asked Mary, it's actually at your suggestion as to why why you do this? 
You're, you're on the spot now. <laughs> I'm on the spot. Well, I feel responsible. Um, I feel responsible for my government. And, you know, I feel blessed, you know, to live in such a beautiful world. Um, you know, great family and, you know, great friends. Um, but I feel responsible for what our, our government does. I also feel um, there's a, actually, this is a big part of me. I don't think I'd survive as a person. I think to be a human being in this day and age, you have to work at it and you have to be in touch with, with who you are and what you stand for. Um, last Friday, um, Rodney Burnell and, and I were on a, a overpass over Montlake holding a abolish nuclear weapons sign and students were going to back and forth and, and some of them were, were stopping to talk. And this one guy was a political science student and he's, you know, he was, and he, he didn't believe this, but he was, he said, you know, some people think deterrence is significant. It was important for us, you know, and that's, that's why we're basically surviving. And, um, you know, so I said to him, well, in the next hundred years, do you think uh, we'll be alive? Do you think we'll, we'll have a nuclear war? And he was, you know, I tend to ask people, this is one question <laughs> I ask people, and he was, you know, disturbed by the question. I mean, he, he, you know, it's it's where things become real, you know, and and he knew at in as a human being, he knew the threat that we were in, and he answered the question himself. Of course, the course deterrence doesn't work. The answer, of course, we know what the answer is. We have to get rid of nuclear weapons, yeah. and 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 I feel if I quit what I was doing, you, there's only two ways to look at it: either they won, you know, the, the militarists you know, or if I stay at it, I'll win one or the other. And, um, well, well, either that, or you get rid of nuclear weapons. I mean, if nuclear weapons are still here and you quit, you retire, you've lost. Yeah. I'd like to retire. I would like to get rid of Trident. I'd like to get rid of that one first. Yeah. (laughs) And then work on some of the other stuff. Well, that's, thank you. Uh, that's, that's a wonderful, uh, summation. Now, that's one of the reasons that we started the first of these three shows with Trident and Tom Rogers and talking about what a horror show it is. And um, a lot of people don't, they don't, you know, hear no evil, see no evil, that sort of thing. And, and Trident is, is probably one of the obstacles for American and also probably Russian uh, detente on this sort of thing, because, you know, you've got these subs that can't be detected, basically, and they've got enough to... They've got an armament to destroy the Soviet Union easily, you know. So, um, yeah, that's the, you have to, and I think that's really the good approach, and that's true of a, of talking to people who were at Bangor and stuff. That's as, as the personal approach and ask them why you why are why are you doing this or what 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 are you what do you think is what is the what is the issue here? Well, I mean, do you think that we can be destroyed by nuclear weapons? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the people you work with, like you, like Mike Diedrich and, and Mary Hansen, I've known both of you guys forever. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's great knowing you guys and, yeah. and with folks like you. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to try and make sure that, uh, uh, it's sort of a personal thing, I that VFP does show up at Banger and also the uh, uh, Peace Fleet and the Peace. Uh, They're there. But I have some more more presence, bigger, bigger presence would be good. It's really good to have this, especially if you're talking about Navy people to show. I mean, we've got a bunch of Navy veterans mm-hmm. uh, who are, you know, could come down and talk to these people. Uh, a couple of guys have been in, they, they spent like 13 or 14 or 15 years in the service. And so what, why the hell did you stay in? Well, I don't know. <laughs> it got out. But yeah, um, I look forward to doing that again next year. And thank you, Mary and uh, Glenn, for your work. It's, uh, it's, it is a pleasure to know you and a pleasure to work with you. So we'll wrap up uh, this segment of the, of the recording for VFP radio show. Uh, thank you very much. I'll stop the recording. Thanks, Mike. Thank you.